Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And, and we, we are, are Both and. and. A podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe space. Happy Multiracial Monday, everyone. Happy Monday. Today we are talking about a hot topic. Representation. Ooh. Yes. So I know you guys have probably heard um, representation as a buzzword, why it matters. And today we're going to specifically talk about why it matters uh, to the multiracial community. But we're going to give you a little bit of research of what representation is actually, what is it? Because you might have an, I thought I knew what it was. I was like, I just need to see um, interracial couples in Old Navy. (laughs) But that's not necessarily what representation is. Beth? Give, a, give us a little lesson. What is it? So I really like this article by BBC because they like break it down and even have a glossary of terms. I'm not going to go through all of them, but we'll post the link on our social media. So keep an eye out for it. But representation basically is how media deals with and presents gender, age, ethnicity, national and regional identity, social issues, and events to an audience. Mm. And it's all really important because media has the power to shape how an audience understands and gains insight into these important topics. And so it's media and entertainment are able to influence ideas and attitudes towards all of these really important areas of life and people. Mm. And so something I really enjoyed reading through this article was like, media, it just helped, as someone who's not in the media industry, it really helped me recognize the process of media. Like I have friends who are film studies majors and who are in the entertainment business or media business, and I saw how hard they worked. And something that I never connected was like all the hours and long nights that they put into working on a project also connects with the message they were trying to convey. Mm -hmm. So some things to think about in terms of representation in media is how something's constructed, how a movie is organized, how camera angles are composed, the editing choices, Even in a magazine or a newspaper article, the layout and the writing, the choices of images used, that's all the construction. And that's all thought about and edited and revised. So that's like the beginning of the process, the construction phase. Yep, the foundation of how how the idea is laid out, like a storyboard Mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, people in movies like Pixar will release like some of their storyboard images because they like plot out like scene by scene what they want to do before they actually make it. Mm -hmm. And then same thing with newspaper layouts, right? Mm -hmm. What's the order of the importance of the articles? What's front page? Like, where do I want the pictures? What's going to be the centerfold? You hear all those terms. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's constructed. That's so interesting because so much of what I see, I think, oh, somebody just thought of that. Like, oh, they just took a picture and they're like, this is a good picture. We're just going to put it up. But (laughs) no, there's so much behind it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's wild. And then there's the mediation. And that's the process everything goes through before it reaches an audience. And that's a huge step in the process. Like, that's all of the editing. So, like, for instance, my husband is an editor-in-chief mm-hmm. of a publication. Mm-hmm. And so he, they go through, like, rounds and rounds and rounds of edits wow. on a single article. Every footnote has to be cited. Every fact has to be double, oh triple my. checked. All the grammar, all the spelling, whether the argument is sound or not in the article and things like that. So that's part of the mediation process. That's also how a film script is written and rewritten before it even goes to production. Um, How pictures are cropped or captioned um, or even how real life events like coverage of protests or speeches by politicians are portrayed in a news report. 
that all goes through a mediation process. I think what's crazy about when you were going through these steps, construction and mediation, those two things, like we've seen a lot of stories recently where fashion lines um, are, yeah, it's like major fashion uh, brands are putting out these really offensive clothing items. Mm -hmm. And a lot and it's kind of like people act like oh, I didn't think about it um, like oh it was an accident we didn't mean to but if that is true if that is actually true that just shows that you don't have any people of color or any like diverse voices speaking up in those meetings where those choices are being made or you don't have a work environment that empowers those diverse voices to speak up yeah yeah and then selection and that's like what's included like what is actually selected and chosen for production and distribution. You know, things like stereotypes and ideologies, like stereotypes, like simplified representations of people, how they're like quick things to describe people, how they're portrayed, ideologies, like different beliefs and messages that want to be put through. Like the list goes on and on. Like all of these things are portrayed through camera shots and angles, like the editing, the audio and something if we really want to think about it, like something as simple as a movie poster, mm-hmm. right? Everything in that movie poster is is intentional. The style and the font is picked intentionally. Or the costumes, like the visual codes that give people um, how the makeup is done, how the hair is done, um, and then the colors used, how, what kinds of feelings they're evoked, and then even how genders are presented, like what's the positioning of the characters? What are their poses? Who's in the foreground? Who's in the background? All of these things are are so intentionally placed. It's not just like, well, that was a good picture. Let me just throw it up there. This reminds me when the Avengers, they had that poster controversy because all of the superheroes were standing like in really strong power poses. But Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow was like turned around like it was her back and she was like looking over her shoulder and it was really like her butt <laughs> like it was what you were looking at so it was like provocative yeah and people mm. got so mad about it because it was it was sh- the fans had a voice in that time to say like this is not like how we portray this character like you're over sexualizing this powerful strong woman and that is not like don't do that to this character that we love Mm. and if you look at marvel posters look at infinity war or even endgame which is coming out so soon the everybody has kind of more of a front word you can see that critique like the what Mm. the audience actually wanted is now portrayed Mm. in that so it's like not only does representation matter but your voice matters because you can change the representation and so when you think about representation in media everything is intentional And sometimes unconscious biases or stereotypes or beliefs are slipped through. And that's dangerous, which is why representation does matter. Because if all of these things go through so many important rounds of editing, like what kind of messages are intentionally, consciously, or subconsciously being portrayed in the media? And like representation is more than just race, right? Mm -hmm. It's gender, it's belief, it's events, and it goes through so many different lenses um, because media helps represent worldviews. It helps represent beliefs and values and experiences, Mm -hmm. and that's why it matters. So there was this really interesting article I also read that cites a lot of research from sociology about why representation is so powerful and the implications of what it means for people who don't see themselves in articles or in books or in movies Mm -hmm. or if they do it's only in one role yeah and so 
the sociology professor talks about how stories matter because stories affects how people live their lives, how they see other people and how they think about themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Like stories have been a part of the human tradition for since the beginning of time. I mean, historians cite the oral tradition and how stories were passed down orally and why stories mattered were so that people could understand their history and their traditions, their values and their culture. And so we have now taken that and with technology and present modern day age, we're able to portray stories through so many different platforms. But at the end of the day, that sentiment is still the same um, of how it's to perpetuate traditions and beliefs and cultures and values. So you can imagine that a lack of representation or a misconstrual of representation, like a misrepresentation Mm -hmm. of certain people can be so dangerous. And so there's this body of research around a term called symbolic annihilation, which is the idea that if you don't see people like you in the media you consume, you must somehow be unimportant. Hmm. And so it causes people to think, do I matter? Am I important? Does society value me? Am I a worthwhile person? Hmm. Um, And so then the article goes on to talk about how media also affects self-esteem and how they did their studies Mm -hmm. that measure levels of self-esteem in children and they watch different media, so different children. The children who were represented in the media they watched reported higher levels of self-esteem, whereas the children consuming the media that wasn't like them, that didn't have characters like them, had lower self-esteem. Yeah. Even these unconscious things that we're intaking, um, children who don't even know words like construction or representation or mediation or mm-hmm. annihilation, right? Like, they're still affected by these things. Yeah. So it's crazy to think all these, like, unconscious things that just come at us day in, day out are really affecting the way we see the world representation like beth said is so important because if you have if we're perpetuating society's beliefs and traditions and social value but you've never given a voice or value to the people that make up america mm-hmm. what we're not going to live in a productive cohesive peaceful society because we're always going to have that tension there's a whole portion of our population that doesn't feel valued or is It's just such a waste of time that I have to fight for my rights. You know what I'm saying? I could be doing so many other things, but to (laughs) fight for rights, fight for representation, that takes up time. It's valuable work. But like, can you imagine what all these social activists could be doing other than that if from the beginning we got it right? Yeah. That thought gets me sometimes. Yeah, I hear you. That kind of is a good segue into the other article I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's by the Stanford Daily. And it talks about how representation can become a vicious cycle, right? Mm. Of like only you seeing like the same kinds of stories, the same kinds of characters, the same kinds of tropes being portrayed over and over again. And so one quote that I really like is, when all we study is white and all we see is white, all we create is white. The author wrote, I applaud the great authors and thinkers that have managed to test these boundaries to push our current media and literature out of balance. They inspire young writers like me to explore the unseen characters, the traditional sidekicks, the never forgotten villains. I would say with that, pushing it back, pushing it to a balance, that's not out out of balance. That would Mm. be more, let's get to a balance because we're so off balance right now. Some people may argue that adding more diversity may seem imbalanced. Those people should come on our show and talk to us face to face. (laughs) 
But I think, and the author also goes on to write how this is a very ripe time in America for diversity. We're in such a place where thought can be influenced. Like, we're seeing gains, Mm -hmm. like, with how the Oscars was different this year than last year. Um, how there was was more diversity. It's still not at the level that it needs to be, but momentum is gaining, and so we can capitalize on this now because um, breaking these tropes and these stereotypes that are so confining, right? Changing the message and the narrative from telling certain races or certain genders that you can only contribute to society in this one way that can change and and there are people who are willing to take that step and to write new characters or to change stereotypes or to push back and re-educate people we know there's been a long list there's been like a history of people doing this fighting for this and those people kind of seem to be the one-off the oddball in the group who would fight for representation who would fight for diverse voices um it reminds me of this i just saw this the other day uh, on twitter and it was this uh guy it's zed influencer is his handle on twitter and he talks about the millennials and i'm so tired of people giving crap to millennials but this guy went and gave so much praise to millennials, or not even praise. He was just like talking about the millennial generation. And one of the things he said is, we are the generation that knows tradition and questions it, picking from it what makes sense to us. The generation before us knew no questions. The generation after us knows no tradition. We are the gap between the industrial age and the internet age. We understand experiences from both sides. And I just really thought when I read that part of like, knows tradition but is questioning it i think you have an influx of people that are getting into the media industry and are questioning what has come before them that they are saying like hey this is not what america is this is not what we've ever been at least that's what i believe um so let's represent it properly and Mm. they're pushing those boundaries on the traditional thing pushing against the status quo yeah and that props to millennials for doing that millennials are great as are all generations We all have something to contribute. Exactly. I kind of knew these things about representation before we started doing the research of like, yeah, seeing more people. Like, I remember my experience, and I've talked about it before, of of watching Crazy Rich Asians, Mm -hmm. or when I talked to you or Will about watching Black Panther and how inspiring that was and how cool it was. Um, And then how, like, there are more shows featuring more Asian characters Mm -hmm. and different things. I was like, oh, this is really great. It's cool seeing people in different lights whatnot um and then you, you have that for lots of different shows like one day at a time or blackish mm-hmm. and talking about different things and, and providing a conversation and i think realizing how intentional all of those choices are and realizing all the work that goes behind that like think of how much harder that construction and mediation mm-hmm. and production has to be for these shows to push against the status quo yeah Compared to other shows that are just featuring stereotypes that are more easily accepted. Yeah. These shows, shows like that, have such a responsibility. And I am I know they must feel that. Like, they must know yeah. that. And part of me thinks it's really unfair that they have that responsibility. But a lack of representation doesn't just do a disservice to minority populations in not representing them correctly. In providing stereotypes for people to then weaponize when and if they want to. But also does a disservice to the majority population. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the stuff that I was reading... um, 
like PBS, there was this great article with PBS and why representation matters. A lot of their white audience members wrote in and they were talking about how the diversity that PBS was now working towards was offending them. And they were like, this is not what America is. Like, there are other stories out here. Like, why are you telling these stories? And that is like, you were, have been living in a bubble. People who believe that I think majority population people who think like, well, America is this, like you, you can't say that because America is so much. It is, um, so many cultures and people and the salad bowl or the soup, <laughs> like however you like when people say it's a melting pot, uh, there's so much going on and it just does a disservice to our citizens for them to think it's white Christian, financially well off, nothing else, two kids, white picket fence. Like that is not what America is, but that is what America has been portrayed as to the point that even international people like international populations, when they encounter a black person, um, depending on where they are in the world, um, don't think that person is from America. Mm -hmm. that happened to my cousin who was well-traveled when she was like oh yeah i'm american they were like no you're not we know what americans mm -hmm. are and she was like no i am american and they're like you're not friends <laughs> you're not frazier and she was like what the heck <laughs> um so wow. yeah i think and even so thinking about how our american media affects other countries perceptions of america yeah yeah Wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, even on our honeymoon, Will and I went to Jamaica, mm -hmm. and when we were walking around, people were like, oh, you're American. And I was like, yeah. And then they turned to Will, they're like, hey, man, long time no see. What? Like, it happens so many times. So many people were like, hey, like, don't I know you? And Will Dang. was like, no. <laughs> I'm American, too. And they were like, really? You are you look Jamaican. And he was like, no, I'm yeah. American. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what if he was like, yeah, man. I am. <laughs> That's not a good Jamaican accent. Apologies. That's okay. Well, doesn't have a good one either. Okay. <laughs> but that. Um. But I think there is a misinformation out there. The misinformation comes from the media, obviously, our traditional, our movies, the way we represent ourselves. Also from the census. Um. That's something I'm so excited for the 2020 census, because I think it's going to be an explosion of diversity. Mm. I think it might be closer to what we've ever had before but th even the census only recognized five racial categories and then, and then different ethnic categories too but like five five racial categories in america as long as it's multiple answer and not like pick one in the 2010 census when people were allowed to choose two or more races that came back 32 percent dang that is bigger than the African-American population, which they said was 12.7%. Really? Yes. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so we have not been representing ourselves well, people. Yeah, I mean, talking about multiracial representation, if you think about it, 2010 was the first time the American government recognized that people could be two or more races mm -hmm. on their census. So think about how multiracial actors and actresses, authors have felt the pressure to portray monoracial messages mm -hmm. or monoracial characters. Yeah. They haven't had the chance or the opportunity or even the language, I think, to say like, mm -hmm. hey, I am both and, or like, hey, I am multiracial and I want to represent multiracial people and multiracial stories. Like that kid's book that we talked about in our first episode of season two. Mm -hmm. There's a kid's book that's like A to Z 
and it's a multiracial book and it talks about animals that are combinations of things yeah and how there are more and more books for young children Mm -hmm. who are multiracial to start exploring what that means to them and giving them the language so they can find a place they can find their own place in their own community i think that's really powerful that is powerful and children should have those stories so they don't like going back to the idea of we fix this now like if we correct this now if we start with the right thinking just like truthful at least to me this is where it gets messy it's to me it is more truthful to represent america as a multiracial nation as a um and when i say multiracial i don't mean just people who identify as multiracial but have like we have races a diverse nation it starts i hope it would start to eliminate a lot of the problems that consume our day-to-day politics you know like it would be more accurate to who we are as a people and like represented people the way they're supposed to be like black people are not thugs but like if you only portray black people as like thugs rappers basketball players football players and not as scientists doctors lay people um like just a best friend in a conversation and it's you give them more uh truthful roles i think that would help defeat a lot of the attitudes that are now holding us back as a population well i think that would alleviate some of the pressure but the goal here is for more accuracy and understanding of who people really are Mm -hmm. of how Black people are more than thugs. Yep. Latino, Latina, Latinx people are more than just like immigrants, people like, mm-hmm. or like workers, right? How Asians are more than nerds yeah. or feminine or weak. Yeah. You know? But just because the portrayal is more accurate doesn't mean everyone will be accepted. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. You want people to have all the information before they form an opinion mm-hmm. or make a decision. But just because they have all the information doesn't mean they're still going to like you, mm-hmm. right? Like, there are people in our day-to-day life who are fine, nice, okay people. Mm-hmm. And we still may not like them or get along with them. And that can be for personality issues. That can be from different life experiences. Mm-hmm. So just because I can understand and empathize where I'm com- where someone else is coming from, doesn't mean I have to be in a productive and good relationship with them mm-hmm. or it doesn't mean that I automatically am going to. So I think representation is important so that I can help people have a voice mm-hmm. and have a conversation. It can help elevate self-esteem of young children, help them figure out their role in society and show them the options that they have for their role in society, that it's more than just a stereotype or a trope. Mm-hmm. I think it's good about educating people like media in america you may go to an all-white school you may live in an all-white suburb or the opposite right you may go to an all-black school or live in an all-black neighborhood Mm -hmm. but if you have access to media like think about how much black people know about white people because they consume white media Mm -hmm. right they have their own culture they understand their own culture but they still have information access to information about other cultures Mm -hmm. so if we were to do that with different religions different ethnic and racial groups different social classes different genders different events right when people do retellings of stories think about the number of times you went to a movie that was quote based on a true story and you're like wow i never knew that yeah like that's information gathering and so 
America is so privileged where you can live in a not diverse place, but still have access to information about people who are different from you. And I think that is so important for representation, for people who are unwilling to live or to move or to live near someone who's different from them. This is such a great first step. Yeah towards learning about someone who's not like you and widening your perspective. Now, research does show that people who have more diverse experiences also are, um, are able to develop more higher-level cognitive skills, mm-hmm. right? Because those stereotypes are challenged, the mind is stretched, the perspective is opened. Yeah. But again, people still are able to make their own choices and form their own opinions based on so many different things. More and greater and accurate, diverse representation may mean that somebody rejects another person not on the basis of race yeah but still rejects another person for a different reason <laughs> right like <laughs> equal represent- opportunity to be rejected that's all i want <laughs> <laughs> i mean kind of yeah. like representation will be able to open up avenues for more accurate depictions of people and mm-hmm. culture and tradition and ideology and events and that's good that's just not the cure <sighs> man so often I just want the cure, <laughs> uh, but not made for this world. Um, but so then when it comes to multiracial people, mm-hmm. I think when it specifically representation, and we're seeing more uh, celebrities, icons, cultural figures who do represent, who do claim their multiracial identity, that mm-hmm. alone I think is very powerful to give these young little multiracial babies out here uh, yeah. a, a chance to see themselves in the mirror that is America to mm-hmm. see themselves reflected back to be able then to identify as, cause it is a weird thing to say like I am both. And, and mm-hmm. I think um, even now, even though I claim that I am a multiracial individual, sometimes I'm feeling it out and I'm just like, well, what does this like really mean? Like, how do I live this out day to day? Am I just being like, just being who I am? What, conscious choices do I need to make to live out this lifestyle, you know? I think with people like Yara Shahidi, Zendaya, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Obama even, even though, and Beth and I go back and forth on this, even (laughs) though Barack Obama, everybody says he's our first black president and he has said it himself, I think he is a multiracial individual and I respect how he identifies. I just didn't think he had the language or space. I think really, I think he didn't have the space to identify the way he wanted to. So we need to give this ourselves, this current generation, the next generation. We need to give people the space to be multiracial and live. Yeah, I would love to hear Barack Obama's opinions about the movie Barry, because it's kind of about like young Barack Mm. when he was in college Mm -hmm. and how he was feeling out his multiracial identity. I just want to know how accurate or inaccurate that is. If that's someone like, I oh, wonder dang. I wonder if this is how it went. Or if Brock was like, we all sign off on this script. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, since you brought up Netflix too, I just want to give a huge shout out to Netflix. I know everybody has their different opinions about Netflix and all that, but talk about a platform for representation. Like uh, they have... I I love comedy. I love watching stand up. They have so many comedians on there and mm-hmm. yes, a ton of comedians are white males, but they also have this um show called Comedians of the World. Oh and cool. It, it's comedian. It's for comedians from all around the world and it is and in their native tongues, native language with captions, like that is amazing. Yeah. And 
Netflix might just be showing me like my own preferences, but I'm like, wow, look at all these people. We have black leads. We have women leads. We have um, Hispanic leads. We have all this stuff on Netflix. And it's that just, I Netflix almost to me feels to be the ideal. Well, a lot of streaming platforms are doing that now. Like mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, uh, Reese Witherspoon started an organization um, to promote more media for female leads and Whoa. strong females. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would, I think these are good starting places and it's kind of starting. I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it because I don't want to diminish this with like the low hanging fruit of mm-hmm. like minor, like monoracial minorities mm-hmm. or like females or like gender minorities, mm-hmm. right? Because those are the, those are the loudest voices because I mean, they have had a really long struggle, like totally get it. And I wonder if one day there can be like a multiracial sitcom. I think there there has to be an age of or there is an age of like once those platform those shows those sitcoms those stand up specials whatever they are the first thing they kind of do is address the elephant in the room of like I'm in this space and like these are the issues that are important to me you know but they don't I'm ready for it uh I like what was that there was a movie with Jennifer Lawrence I think it was called like Hope or Star or something where she Joy I think it was called Joy and it was about this white woman who uh and it was really inspirational I love the movie uh who invented the mop and her struggle to get like that mop yes out. you know you know what I'm I talking heard about of that that is such a great story I would love that for every person who has such a story like that Right now, all of the stories that we have are about overcoming race problems, overcoming financial hardships due to institutionalized systems, like or sure. like defeating those institutionalized yeah. systems. But I'm ready for the day when I see like a multiracial person on on the screen, and they're like, "This was just my life. Like I'm this is th- regular life." Yeah, yeah. And I think we're so 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 close. I mean, there have been there have been interracial couples. On TV. Like, I love Lucy. What? Lucy and Ricky. Ricky was Hispanic. I didn't watch that show. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's it's a classic, right, of having this interracial couple. Or, like, um, Jay and Gloria on Modern Family are an interracial couple, and they talk about the struggles of, like, trying to blend their cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a son together, and they sometimes have episodes of, like, oh, I want to raise him in, like, this way in my tradition. Or, like, well, I want to introduce him to this in my tradition. And, like, oh, wow. the different cultural clashes. So, like, it's coming. It's mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But it's not, like, it's not, like, the the main feature. Or, like, it's about everyday life as a mixed family, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to watch a lot more TV. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. I'm listening to too many podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so interested to see how multiracial representation starts to come about. because. Mm stereotypes exist because they're kind of like they're kind of like shortcuts in our brain right so cognitive psychology teaches that stereotypes are not bad if used as a base but not the beginning and the end right Mm -hmm. so if i know what's a stereotype for asians asians are smart they're thin and they're like kind of effeminate or they're really good at like martial arts mm-hmm. right yeah so if i know that asians are smart i'd be like oh, okay i know some asians have an affinity for certain scholastic things mm-hmm. right that's fine or like culturally there are different traditions yeah but i use that as my base because that's an easy way for me to like oh it's an asian person okay i this this and this may apply to that person mm-hmm. they may be smart they may not wear shoes in their house and 
they may have lived in like a patriarchal household, mm-hmm. right? But I'm putting may in front of that. So if I see an Asian person, I can assume like, oh, okay, here are three things that may or may not be true. Let me get to know them and see where they align with that mm-hmm. and where they vary from that. And let me expand my understanding of this person, their culture, their experience, and then add it in to this like folder in my brain. Yeah. So it's still, if I were categorizing it in like an Asian folder in my brain, it would still go there. Mm-hmm. And the shortcut would still exist. But again, the shortcut opens you up to more information. So stereotypes aren't bad when, a, when used as a base, but not the sole defining principle. So I'm curious for multiracial people, what is going to be their starting stereotype in media? What's mm. going to be their starting trope? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because if, I mean, if we're being honest, like, we want more multiracial people featured. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, what kind of role are they going to take? And, mm-hmm. like, what kind of role are they going to get stuck in? And how are we going to fight for that to be more diverse? I wonder if it will, if there will be a stereotype because mul- the multiracial population is so diverse. It's It can be a combination of any two races. I know. Like, w- or w- are we at a place right now where it will will surpass that? I don't know. I'm ex- just excited to see. I'm like making my popcorn and seeing where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see where it goes. Where do you guys think it will go? Question of the week, listeners. What do you want to see for multiracial representation in media, whether books, movies, TV? Hit us up. We just want to say, I just feel very sentimental towards our listeners today. And I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this with your friends. And uh, for we have our voices and we can talk all day. But without you guys, like what we're just talking to ourselves. So thank you for your <laughs> feedbacks, your comments, the in-person conversations. We love you. And have a great rest of your week. Don't forget to like, comment, or subscribe. <laughs>